as thou hast forward of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning as we come before your holy word. We pray that your word will minister to your people in simplicity yet in clarity of speech. I pray that with your word may it come with it the accompanying power of transformation. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning we are continuing our series on the book of John, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and today is part 72. I'm ministering under the sub-theme, Fruitfulness, and our scripture reading is taken from John chapter 15, verse 3 to 8. John 15, verse 3 to 8. Verse 3 to 8, I read, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Amen. We've been on chapter 15 for the past two weeks. Uh, Last two weeks, we started with Jesus, the true vine, from John chapter 15, verse 1. And he is the vine because um, branches take energy sap. They they take their growth and nutrition from the vine sap. And for that matter, the root source of their growth is antecedent on the vine and antecedent on their connection to the vine. Likewise, Jesus is the root of our growth. He's our source of energy and nourishment. When it comes to us bearing fruits and becoming fruitful in the Lord's vineyard, it is connecting ourselves to Jesus. He's our everything. We must be rooted in him. Jesus being divine also came to shift the attention or the focus from Israel. Israel was supposed to be the central plan of God's salvation, but they disappointed God, and Jesus stood in their stead to make that happen, that all of us and the other nations of the earth can be saved. So by Jesus saying that I am the true vine, he's also saying that I am the one you should place your roots in, not in Israel, not on the founding fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not on Moses, not even on Mary, the mother of Jesus. You have to place your roots in me. So Jesus is our true vine. Last week, we intimated on God as the vine dresser, God who is our father. And we learned that the vine dresser also plays a very key, important role to the nutrition 
and to the growth of the branches. Uh, the, the vine dresser is more of an agriculturalist. He tends and to the uh, and cultivates the branches on it on daily. And when he does that, the essence of that is to make the branches healthy and to make them prime for fruit bearing. You can't bear for fruit if you are not healthy, especially when it comes to horticulture. The plants have to be primed to be healthy. It's not just about them receiving water, receiving sunlight. It's also priming them and taking away the dead wood and all that stuff to make them healthy so that they'll be able to give fruits or bring forth fruits. And we came to realize that the Father works on us by lifting us. I explained the meaning of the word take away. It doesn't mean to annihilate. It means to lift up. So the Father raises our level of commitment, especially when we are not bearing fruit. He will, he will task upon us to raise our level of commitment. We saw that in the life of Peter. And not just that, he also prunes us, especially those who are bearing fruit. The Lord will say, do more, and he will prune you. And most times in, in, the, in the life of the plants, there are dead wood and there are clutter and everything that sometimes choke the fruit-bearing capacity of the plants. And it is up to the duty of the horticulturist or the vine dresser to take care of that. And sometimes when we are fruitful Christians, we might go through certain experiences that is tantamount to the Lord sometimes trying to chip away unwanted paths and shape us and form us into the image of Christ so that we'll be able to bear forth more fruits. Amen. And when we talk of fruits, we are talking about products, something that emanates from you, emanates from your spirits. And like I said, when we use the word fruits, there are many instances or many uh, examples of fruits, but I want to narrow it down to three. When we talk of fruits, we are talking about the fruit of the spirit. That talks about character. When you read Galatians chapter 5 from verses 19 to 23, 24 going, the, um, the, the, the Paul enumerates the fruits of the spirit, which, which are nine. And it's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. In a nutshell, in a bucket, this is what is called the character of Christ. So when we are talking about fruits, we have to see more of Christ being formed on you. The second thing is that your actions or deeds, your actions or deeds, you know, which are the exponents of your heart, it's, it's also fruit. And then the third thing are souls. So we'll just narrow it down to just these three things. Amen. Now let's move on to today's reading. But before that, I don't know about you, but when reading this scripture, I did notice varying degrees of fruit in this passage. It mentions fruit in verse 2. It mentions more fruit in verse 2 again. And it mentions much fruit in verses 5 and 8. So three varying degrees of fruit are mentioned here. Fruits, more fruits, much fruits. Amen.
Now in verse 3, Jesus already speaking to his disciples, let them know that they were already clean. And why did Jesus have to say that? He had already begun the work of sanctification in his disciples by teaching them his word. You know, these disciples, for three years that they had been with Jesus, they were very much exposed to the teachings of Jesus. They were very much exposed to the word. And the word is our cleansing agent. So from this verse, the word is the soup or or it's the detergent that purifies us and that makes us into the image of Christ. So if you feel dirty, if you feel like you are a sinner, look, just take a deep dive into the word and take a bath. The word is what cleans us. And how do I know that? If you do remember, when we were doing our John series, especially in chapter 13, in verse 10, Jesus said to Peter, He who is bath needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, and not all of you. Now, at this time, when Jesus was saying that all of you were clean, Judas was not there. Okay? But in John chapter 13, when Judas was included among the disciples, he said, one of you is not clean. Jesus was speaking the word on a regular basis to his people, which was cleansing and which was purifying them. And that's why Jesus said that in verse 3, that you are already clean. And how did they become clean? You are already clean because of the word. The word cleanses. Once upon a time, David in Psalm 119, he was giving tribute to the word of God. And there are about 176 verses in verse 9, David once asked the question, how can a young man cleanse his ways? And he gave the answer by taking heed to the word of God. So throughout the scripture, the word is also known as a cleansing agent. It purifies us, it cleanses us. Aside receiving the gift of righteousness, which means that our sins have been forgiven our, our sins are no longer imputed upon us and we are righteous in the sight of the Lord. We need to make it a habit to feed ourselves with a steady diet of the word of God, which will continue to enhance our cleanliness and, and will make us walk into the process of sanctification, which, which will help us and which will prime us to be able to bring forth fruits. Amen. Now, if you read verses 4 to 5, Jesus stressed on a mutual relationship. And something of this close relationship is in Songs 6, verse 3. This week I was reading songs with my friends, you know. And when you read songs, especially chapter 6, verse 3, um, Solomon said, I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. You know, and when you read that whole um nine chapters of the book of songs it's it mirrors the relationship christ has with the church it's a mutual relationship if you read it you will see the shulamite woman talking about how she wants to pursue a love relationship with solomon if you read other chapters too you will see solomon too uh, corresponding that request with also wanting to pursue a love work relationship. So 
the, 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 the theme in the book of the Songs of Solomon, if you have time, you could read the nine chapters, is that you will see mutual love, mutual reciprocation. That is what enhances the love work between two parties. And likewise, it's with Christ and the church. There is some mutuality. You know, we have to abide in him as Christ abides in us. And Christ used that picture of Solomon's poem, I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. Even though Christ will not be physically present with us on this earth or in those days, the the disciples were going to feel the physical absence of Jesus. He was going to be there through the avenue of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, the Holy Spirit having residence in us, is of a surety and is guarantee that Christ is with us. He never, lived, he never left us. So the, the abiding here, it's mutual. And that's why the gift and the presence of the Holy Spirit is strong in these days. Because it has come to confirm that Christ is going to be with us. Christ is more than a friend. Christ is more than a brother. He will be with us. But as Christians or as branches of the vine, we will also want to make an effort to mutually reciprocate that relationship. Just as in the, in the book of songs between the Shulamite woman and then King Solomon. Amen. So when we talk of abiding, what do we mean? Abiding presents to us three pictures. One, being rooted in Christ. So when Christ was talking about abiding, he's comparing it to a branch attached to a tree for this case. So when we are talking about abiding, it means that we remain in Christ. We have to remain in Christ. You see, so now... Christ is not so much particular about fruitfulness. He is particular about a relationship. Because out of a tight-knit relationship, out of a sustainable connection, fruits will definitely come. So, being rooted, a branch is able to give birth because it is rooted to the vine. And Christ wants us to be rooted. It means we remain in Christ. The second picture is making Christ our abode. You know, abide and abode are the same um, words. It's just that O is replaced with I. And abode means home. Making Christ your home. You know, in this life, it is said that there are five things that are of basic necessity or the basic necessities of life. There are five of them. Food, water, air, clothing, and shelter. These are the five basic necessities. Shelter is included. Today, let me tell you something. Make Jesus your shelter. Abide. So when that word abide is used, the second picture of it is making Christ our abode. That means he becomes our sustenance, That means we depend on him for our entire livelihood. Just as on this physical earth, you need shelter 
as a basic necessity of life. The third picture. Christ now making us his abode. So when we are talking about abiding, we are looking at three pictures here. Being rooted in Christ like a branch to a tree. Making Christ your abode and Christ also making us his abode. Christ should feel feel at home. He should feel comfortable dwelling in us. You know, our activities can sometimes grieve the Holy Spirit. That's why there are scriptures in the Bible like, quench not the Spirit and grieve not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit living on the inside in us should not feel aggrieved. The Holy Spirit living on the inside of us should not feel his expression being dumped upon. Have you ever been to a house and you've never felt the opportunity and the liberty to express yourself? You may not want to come back. You may not feel at home. And Christ has to fill a home in our bodies, that our bodies are the temple of the Spirit. Christ also needs to make us his abode. So when we are talking about abiding, that's why I'm saying that there is mutuality in abiding. Amen. And a sign that Christ dwells in you is when his words live in you. It's a sign that Christ dwells in you. Another sign that Christ dwells in you is that when the Holy Spirit is able to have full expression in you, Christ then has made your body his abode. One of the things that will grieve him is sexual immorality. That's why the Bible says that when you sin, you sin against the body. Every sin is without the body, but sexual immorality is against the body. And Paul says that, know you not that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God dwells in you. Therefore, glorify God with your body because your bodies have been bought with a price. Christ has to also make this body is abode. So abiding, being rooted in Christ like a branch is to a tree, making Christ our abode. We should be able to, when we make Christ our abode, that means that he's our all in all. We trust him for everything. We don't trust some things. We trust him. He's our sustenance, our entire livelihood. And Christ making our bodies his abode where he feels comfortable to express himself, express his leadership. In fact, when you read Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it talks about one of the seven churches that had kicked Christ out. But the interesting thing was that Christ says that I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I will come in, I will be with him, and I will sup with him. That is not a scripture for unbelievers. That was a church that had kicked Christ out and had decided to do things on Israel. They were not abiding. That picture of abiding was not there. So Christ was out of their lives. And Christ says that I stand at the door and knock. That's the door of their hearts. Amen. So what happens when we apply the concept of abiding? We bear forth fruits. 
will bear forth much fruit. You see, there's a difference between much and more. More is quantifiable. More is relative. And more is relative with one. When you have more than one, how do I even... If you have, if you have in addition to one, it's called more. More is relative. Between one and then many is called more. But you can't quantify much. Much is uncountable. And the Bible lets us know that when we abide in Christ and Christ abides in us, we will bear forth much fruits. So the Christian experience and the Christian life we are living is a life where God has preordained that we will give birth to much fruits, but it will come at the heels of relationship. Relationship. A branch has to be connected to the vine. We have to abide in Christ. Christ has to abide in us. That is how we will give birth to more fruits. We will become more and more like Christ. Our words and our deeds will match our confession. And then we will win more souls. More and more souls. We will mentor more people. We will win people for Christ. Anywhere we stand, we will be able to win people for Christ. In our communities, among our workplaces, wherever we stand, we will have much fruit. Much fruit is the evidence of a stronger connection between you and Christ. So if you want to be fruitful, rather campaign for a relationship, a mutual relationship, just as the branch is joined to the vine, be connected to Christ. Let it be a strong, sustainable connection because that's the way we will be able to bear forth fruit. And it's very important to note the last six words of verse 5. Without me, you can't do nothing. In this Christian faith, if you are going to do it with your smarts, if you are going to do it with your strength, if you are going to do it with your mental capacity, if you are going to do it with oratory, you are not going to go far. You will not go far. Without me, you can do nothing. Let those six words ring in us. This year in 2023, if we want to achieve certain goals in the realm of the spirit, even apart from spiritual things, in this life, there are things that if we want to do, if Christ has not the center and if he's not included, we can't do it. Without me, you can't do nothing. Without me, you can't do nothing. So how do we bear forth fruit from verses 4 to 5? Abide in me. Abide in me. We have to abide. We have to abide. Abide in me and I in you. It's mutual. The relationship has to be mutual. Songs 6-3. I am my beloved's. My beloved is mine. That is the picture. There has to be mutual relationship, mutual connection. That is how come we'll be able to give birth to more fruit. So today, Christians, why are we barren? It explains why we are barren. 
we are not connecting properly. Yes, we might go to church, we might know some scriptures, we may know church jargon, but we are not connecting well. We are not connecting properly. Our connection is not sustainable because scripture doesn't lie. If your words abide in me, abide in me and I in you. If your words abide in me, you will bring forth much fruit. And this is Christ who spoke, not a human being. So why are we not giving birth to fruit? It is because we don't have a viable connection. But I pray in the name of Jesus that may we come to a place where we will have viable connection. May our connection to Christ become sustainable. May we abide in Christ and may Christ abide in us. The picture of abiding again means we are rooted in Christ just as a branch is rooted to a tree. The picture of abiding means that we have made Christ our abode. I know you live in a place, that's your shelter. But today, make Christ your abode. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You can't experience an encounter with God if you are outside the abode of God. You you have to be close. You have to be near. Abide. And when you abide, it means that Christ is my sustenance, is my livelihood, is my everything. Just as shelter is a basic necessity of life. And the third picture, which is very important, is that Christ makes us his abode. You see, it's not just about us making Christ our abode, but he also making us his abode. That's why I say, abide in me and I in you. Christ also has to see us as his abode, where his expression is is not tampered with, where his lordship is not challenged, where he feels liberated and at liberty to move as he sees fit. Christ then, we can truly say that Christ then has us as his abode. Until we come to those levels, we truly cannot say that we have a viable, sustainable connection to Christ. And we do, and if we don't, it will so by no fruit or the lack of fruit. And I pray that may we come to a place where we will bring forth much fruits. Now, in our scripture reading, there is a danger of false profession in Christ. People who claim to be Christians, for the fun of it, without no accompanying evidence, they will face eternal judgment as sinners. You know, once upon a time, the author of the book of Hebrews, in in chapter 6, verse 1 in his book, he wrote about certain things that are called the foundational principles of Christ. And, and six of them constitute that. Out of one of the six is eternal judgment. Sinners will face eternal judgment. And not just sinners, but people who profess to be Christians, but they have no accompanying fruits to show.
He said, you'll be judged. The Bible says if you don't abide properly, if you don't have a sustainable connection, it's not talking about the unbeliever, it's talking about the branch that's not abiding. It will be cut in the fire and it will be burned. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 to 23, and you will understand it better. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 to 23. So you can't say that, oh, I've received Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. And you are just living carelessly, and you are just lawless. And then at the end of it, you will say you are a Christian. You can't. Matthew 7, verse 15 to 23. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. 16. You will know them by their fruits. You see, God is interested in the fruits that we will bear if we claim we are Christians. Christ is inspecting what sort of fruits that we will bear if we really claim we are Christians. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or from thistles? In the world of horticulture, you will not gather strawberry from a mango tree. It never happens. The tree determines the product. So if you claim you are a Christian, why are you living this life? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but every bad tree bears bad fruits. A good tree cannot bear bad fruits, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 20. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Mr. Hayford led us into worship. You can say, Lord, I worship you. But the fact that you say, Lord, doesn't mean you will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Who told you that? You can pray and you can say, Lord, my father. The fact that you say, Lord, my father, doesn't mean you enter into the kingdom of heaven. God wants everybody to go to heaven. Christ died so that all of us will be saved. All of us will be redeemed so that all of us can go to heaven. But Jesus is saying, not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody the fact that you can mention the name of God, you can mention the name of Jesus, the fact that you can mention some Christian jargon and spit some Christian phrases, doesn't mean you're a Christian. What is your accompanying fruits? What is your accompanying fruits? And your accompanying fruits should show by your connection to Jesus. Are you abiding? Look at it. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You see, the, the deeds that came from the exponents of their hearts was not showing that they were saved. What is your fruit? 
Before Christ should come, if he should inspect our fruits, are our fruits worthy of us gaining an entrance into the kingdom of heaven? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the character of Christ. Are we truly exhibiting the character of Christ? Are the fruits that are emanating from our hearts and from our spirits, do they resemble the character of Christ? The exponents of our hearts, are they Christ-like? The exponents of our hearts, are they godly? Can we truly say we are Christians? Fruit of the Spirit. And if the, the tree is rotten, the fruit will be rotten. As simple as that. And it will affect the quality of souls. Because when it comes to souls, whether you are demonic possessed or you are spirit possessed, you both can win souls. The quality will just be poor. Because these people who do wonders, wonders can pull crowd. Wonders can bring souls. But because the fruit is rotten, everything out of them will also be rotten. You who practice lawlessness, we should be very careful feigning our faith. You can't play games with God. If you come into Christ and you are not ready to commit to growth, you are not ready to commit to the master, you are not ready to surrender to the Lord, you are not ready to do the bidding of the Lord, please go back to the world. Because it will rather be better. Because it's no point to say, I'm a Christian, but you are half-hearted. You are feigning repentance. You are feigning salvation. You are feigning it. You are faking it. Why? Let's go back to the world. It's not compulsory to be a Christian. Because there is no need to play fun and play games with God. And at the end of the day, the fruit that will come out of you will betray you that you were never one of the fold. You are not a branch that abides. And mind you, if the branch doesn't abide, it will be cut off, thrown into the fire, and it will be burned. That is Christ talking. That's not me talking. That is what Christ said. And therefore, if we are committing to Christ, let's commit to him well. Else, let's just withdraw and go back to the world. But there is no need to say, I am a Christian, joke around, not pay the price, not do what the master wants you to do, not surrender to his will. And then, on, on the day of judgment, your fruit will betray you. That you were never one of the food. Why should you be in church all along? Why should you join every prayer summit, every prayer meeting? Why should you give your money to the church? And at the end of the day, on the day of reckoning, the master will say, I never knew you. Let's commit. If we are committing, we should commit well. If we will not commit, it's not by force. But don't play games with God. It's not worth it. Just abide. We should be careful. And in this scripture that we just read, it mentions to us one of the greatest blessings of abiding. It is the guarantee of answered prayers. 
Or when you pray, God will answer our prayers. Just connect. Connect and connect well. Connect and connect properly. When you pray, God will answer your prayers. You will experience answer prayers. When it comes to answer prayers, it is not sacrifice. Because even Jesus says that sacrifice and burnt offerings, I don't desire. I desire obedience. It's not sacrifice. It's not hard work. It's not excessive giving. It's not fasting. Have you realized that any time the church, when we fast, we don't pray about our needs? We never. We just intercede. Fasting to me is a time of intercession. It's a time of consecration. Have you realized all our fasting and prayer topics, we rather spend time praying for others. We never really pray for our needs. Because if we really want to pray for our needs, we don't need to go on a hunger strike, so to speak. We don't need to fast. We just need to abide. We just need to obey God. Abiding is obedience. And when it comes to praying for what you need, you don't need long verbiage. If you abide, when you ask, he will just answer. That's it. Abiding. It's not fasting. If you want your needs to be met, it's not fasting. It's abiding. It's not more prayers. It's not how long you pray. If you want your needs to be met, especially when it comes to the place of whatsoever you desire, whatsoever you desire, just abide. 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 Abiding is obeying. Abiding is obedience. We will experience the surety and the guarantee of answer prayers. Just abide. Now, let me say this. All these activities I have mentioned, if they are done from a place of abiding, then it's a blessing. But what is more important is that you can't do the aforementioned activities I have listed without first and foremost abiding. It's of no use. And that's why the Lord could say to Israel, I don't desire sacrifice. I don't desire it. What I desire is your obedience. Once upon a time, Saul disobeyed him, and Saul thought he could appease God by sacrificing. And, and God says that obedience is better than sacrifice. It is better to hearken, to hear, to hear the commands of the Lord than the fat of rams. Because Saul took the, the best of rams just to appease God. It, it's of no use. You can't live a life of disobedience and come and drop $1,000 in the offering bowl expecting that it's going to appease God. Who told you? We've got to live a life of hardcore obedience so that we can truly be his disciples if we really mean business, especially when it comes to us becoming fruitful vessels in the hands of God. Listen, God wants us to come to a place of unquantified fruit-bearing, unquantified fruitfulness for his pleasure. He rejoices because he sees us conforming to the image of his dear son. That's what makes God happy. That is what pleases God. This morning, we just worship God. And worshiping God is giving God glory. But that's not the only way to give glory to God. 
One of the ways to give glory to God is to be fruitful. Dare to be fruitful. But if you want to be fruitful, you have to abide. Because it is through the process of abiding that you and I can become fruitful branches of the vine. May our fruits not betray us because we didn't abide. May our fruits not betray us because we joked with God and we joked with Christianity. May our fruits not betray us. Listen, be for real. If we are real about this thing, be for real. I like one of Andre Crow's songs he sang. He says, I am going all the way. You have to decide to go all the way. Pedal to the metal. Don't go back. It is better. Don't feign Christianity. Don't feign your salvation. Otherwise, you will make the gravest mistake of your life. Father, I've delivered your word to your people. May we abide. May that be a burning theme this week, Lord. Abiding. Abiding is obedience. And it will show forth in our fruits. In Jesus' name. Amen. Over to you, Pastor Jessica.